Okay, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just be with us today as we uh, work through this passage. Uh, Father, Colossians is so rich um, and convicting. Lord, we thank you for the hope that's found in here. We thank you for how Christ is so exalted in this book that he is uh, our, the creator, our creator, that he spoke all things into existence, and he is above all, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father. And so, Lord, we look to him now, and we ask that you would help us to have insight in this passage. Father, we know that uh, he made the payment for us, that he has absorbed the wrath that was due sin. We thank you that our sin has been paid for, past, present, and future, And Lord, we live this life that you've called us to in liberty. We thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. And we recognize, Lord, that on the one side, the danger is is legalism, that we seek to place a bunch of rules and guidelines down to to keep us on track. And it's uh, even with good intentions, it's so easy to turn that into our own little system of self-righteousness. And so we ask that you would guard us from that and expose areas in our life that we have built up. Um, Father, we know on the other side is, is license where we think uh, because of God's grace, then we have freedom to run wild and sin. And you tell us clearly that that is not the case. And so we long uh, to, to honor you with our lives. We long to live lives that are pleasing to you. But we find ourselves in this body with uh, two natures, the the spirit uh, and the flesh that remains. And there is a a war raging within us. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to to put on our new self as as this passage uh, speaks of today, that we would uh, crucify our flesh and that we would walk in newness of life. Lord, this is such a, a difficult balance to play out, and from the outside it can seem like semantics, but uh, within our hearts, this is it, it's critical. And so we pray that you would help us to live for you, not to earn salvation, not to earn your love, but flowing from the love and the forgiveness that we have received uh, from you and through Christ's Christ work on the cross. Uh, we love you, God, and it's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them... You also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, 
Scythian, slave, and free man. But Christ is all and in all. Father, we do thank you again for this day. We ask that you would lead us now. In Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, in the New American Standard, we come to this word, therefore, a transition statement. And last week, my wife, who's not here today, so I have free to talk about whatever, without, without uh, her verifying the truth. But she's like, well, my translation, you keep saying these therefores, and the therefores aren't there. And I'm like, well, we have, therefore, we have a problem there. That's like the, it's there in the Greek. And, and so I realized that in this, in, in this section, before I say that there's a therefore, there is a therefore there. The New American Standard places it in the, the first slot, and so does the New King James. Uh, so if you have the New King James or the New American Standard, the therefore is in that, that first slot. If you're using the ESV or the NIV, you'll find that the therefore is in the fourth word slot. And actually, the fourth word slot is the literal place where the word therefore in the Greek is found, and the English it would be moved to the first spot to help us understand uh, just sort of the transition in the different sections. In the Greek, it's in the fourth slot because of emphasis. They want, they want to emphasize the next section in, in, a, in a powerful way. In some translations, the therefore is just not therefore. There is not there. Um, but in the New American Standard, the translation I'm using, the therefore is in the first word. We have to remember where we are. Going back to Colossians 2.12, Paul introduced to us that we have, as Christians, we have died with Christ. We have risen with him through faith, and this is demonstrated uh, through baptism. We walk, as I prayed, on that, that, that knife's edge of liberty. God has called us to freedom, and it's so hard for us to stay on that, that line of, of liberty because on the one side, there's religion, which is super easy to get into because we like, or I like, rules. Like, I like rules. I like, give me a checklist, give me the things, just the things not to do, and I won't do those things. And if I, if I meet those goals, then I'm good. But God doesn't work like that with us. We have liberty. There's freedom. Christ paid it all. It's not our works. And then on the other side is is the side that scares me is 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 like a grace sort of to the extreme that like if grace means grace it means grace that Jesus paid it all and your sin past present and future has been paid for and in theory then you can there's there's sin over here and we have what we call license that you can just live however and Paul would combat that in Romans chapter 6 and say this isn't this is not the case like like Although we have that freedom, this is not how we're to live. And then in last week's section, we see the key to walking on this razor's edge is to look up and to keep our eyes on Christ. And as we keep our eyes on Christ, we remember who he is, what he's done for us, uh, how holy he is, which from the side of legalism, we're just playing a game with ourselves. If you think that you can then become righteous by like, not swearing, tucking in your shirt. Oh, oops, I forgot that one today. I, uh, um, like, you know, all of the religious things that you think Christianity is made of, if you do these external things and you think you're good, if you think that equals righteousness, then you don't understand what righteousness really is. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, 
the real standard of what righteousness is, we realize that we're helpless. And we like any sort of like religious game that we play, we realize it's just foolishness. And then we go, oh, well, he paid it all. There's nothing I can do. So therefore, let's just go have a party and rely on the grace of God. But if you're keeping your eyes on Jesus, you realize the wrath that he endured. And it's like, why in the world would I do that? Why would I give my creator so much pain and sorrow and let him down? Like, why, why would I do that to him intentionally? And so if we keep our eyes on Christ, we, we can kind of walk that fine line of liberty. None of us are perfect. And so previously in chapters in chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, he dealt with sort of religion. Last week, the first four verses, he deals with keeping your eye on the ball, keeping your eye on Christ. And now in verses 5 through 11, it's the other side. And we have a lot to cover today. Like, we have a lot to cover, probably because I lingered in this section because it's, like, just so relevant and there's so much here that if you are honest with yourself, you can really, it causes you to grapple with things. So he says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. The, um, you know, I've been on this. I go through kicks. I, 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 I'm confessing this. Anna's not here to really tell you how bad it is. But if, I, if my mind gets locked in on something, I, like, take it to the end until I get bored with it, and then I move on to something else, and then I, like, take it to the end for a while. And so right now my kick, Grace, is what's my kick? She doesn't know. Spanish! <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be fluent if it's, it kills me, and I might die. Like, I'm, like, really, really trying. And so... Normally I go to the Greek, but so in the learning Spanish, I've been printing out the text in Spanish and like working through the Spanish, but I don't quite understand the tenses in Spanish as well as I do in the Greek. Like I can figure out like what it's saying. And so like I'm like I'm working through Spanish and is trying to do like kids schooling and I'm like, I'm having a problem with this word. She's like, Gunnar, I can't be teaching kindergarten Spanish like and like through text messages while I'm actually teaching the kids. And I'm like, well, this word, like, it seems like it means dead, but it seems like it has a different ending. And she's like, well, you got to use it in a context. So I give her like two more words. And she's like, it could mean a lot of different things. And I'm like, is there any way it could mean like to kill something? And she's like, definitely it could mean to kill something. And I'm like, well, the New American Standard, it says, like, consider members of your earthly body dead, which is kind of, like, passive. Like, it's like, consider your members dead. But then when I'm looking at the tr- Spanish, it's like, could be, like, more like, you know, actively kill them, like, that you're doing. with very different understanding. And the Greek is kind of, like, more actively executing something. And so then I look at the ESV. The ESV says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Kind of very different than considering what's dead. It's a bit more active. The New King James says, therefore, put to death the members, your members which are on earth. The NIV says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. As we get more and more to the uh, less literal and more we get to the New Living Translation, it says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Then we come to the message, which I, I know you're a big fan of the message. 
And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, like to seek and destroy. A couple weeks ago, well, we have new neighbors. They moved from the city to Valley Center. And I never go easy on these people. I, I don't mean to be like, I don't mean to go hard, but they're from the beach. So I'm kind of like jealous that they're from the beach. It's like, oh, that would be nice. Why would you come out here? And then the ladies from Romania, which is kind of cool, because like now we're like, oh, yeah, we have friends in Romania. And, and so we, we were over at her house, and we were talking, and she's like, I saw, I saw this thing, and, it's, and I'm like, a scorpion. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we get those. And we get rattlesnakes, and we get this and that. And I started living all, like, all of the dangers that we get. And I'm like, you're in the country now, baby. And it's like, you bought your house. You're stuck. You're like, no going back to the beach now. And uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we get fires. And like, oh, you know, she's like, oh, dear. Like, I can just see that. I'm like, oh, why did I say all of that? Then after I say that, I, it's like the next morning. And I'm, you know, the first thing you do when you wake up is get a cup of coffee. And so I'm making my way to the coffee station. And when I open the door, I see something scurry. And I go, oh, that's a fast-moving spider. Like, normally spiders don't move like that. And I go to get the coffee ready. And then I, I kind of, I turn back for something, and I came back. And guess what it was? Scorpion. I'm barefoot. And it's like, not on my watch, buddy. <laughs> not on my watch. And so then I got my choice of uh, execution. I found my flip-flop. <laughs> it was like, Gunner suddenly wide awake. Flip-flop in hand, and it's like with a scorpion. Those bad boys move quickly, and it's like, you got to commit. And it's like, the chickens ate well that morning. They got fresh scorpion. Where was I? <laughs> Put to death. Vaughn says the verb necrosate, which is the Greek, not Spanish, meaning literally to make dead, is very strong. It suggests that we are not simply... Uh, to suppress or control evil acts and attitudes, we are to wipe them out completely, exterminate the old way of life. Back in verse 3, it says, for we, you have died. This is an active, aggressive command that I don't think the, and I, the New American Standard actually conveys, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. That's just like, we'll just consider them as dead. No, it's saying, hey, you, child of Christ, you're an executioner. You need to search and destroy that which is in you that is still of the flesh, and you need to kill it. I don't really have time to go into it. Like, I wrote it in here last minute. I know how much we have to cover, but it's like to kill stuff within. You need to be obsessed with it. I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with something else. If you've interacted with me in the last, like, 48 hours, you know that I have a problem in my chicken coop. Something is still in the eggs. I've killed one rat. I've killed two raccoons. Oh, no, not raccoons. I haven't killed a raccoon. Melanie's suddenly all mad at me. I like raccoons. Squirrels. I don't know why raccoon came out of my mouth. It's probably a raccoon is what I'm fearing. I have no idea what it is. I now have like a video camera in the chicken coop trying to figure out what it is because all I can think about is what is stealing my eggs, and I'm going to go kill that thing as soon as I figure out what it is and how I can determine how to kill it. It may be that my whole chicken coop gets relocated. I don't know what's going to happen. But the question is, is that how I deal with sin in my own life? Fortunately, it's not that strong. 
And so we need to consider things in our, the sin, our old nature dead, not only consider dead, but we need to seek it out and, and destroy it. Things like immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, these are all sensual things. Impurity is the word porneia, which is this broad category of sexual immorality. There's impurity, which is unclean, unwholesome, corrupting to our minds. Passion and evil desire, Swindoll describes these as putting on immoral or impure things, coddling unwholesome desires. These thoughts and behaviors are disastrous to Christian life. So these are things that go into our mind and we begin to like dabble with them. Jesus didn't lower the bar. So often we as Christians say, oh, well, Jesus, it's all about grace. It's like, well, you haven't read much about Jesus' life on earth, have you? Because he actually took the law and he exposed it for the level of holiness that it actually was. Jesus said, talking about adultery, he said, oh, you've heard that if a man has a relationship with a woman who's not his wife, that's adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery within his heart. That seems a little bit uh, like a much higher standard. He also says, you've heard it said that if, if you kill somebody, that's murder. But I say to you, if you have hate within your heart for your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. Like Jesus's standard is so high that we can't make the standard. And, and so here he is, he's like, fishing out, stirring out within us things that we need to kill and do away with. He goes on to say, in greed, which amounts to idolatry, greed is a desire for more and more. And as you seek to acquire more and more, then you begin cherishing the stuff that you've acquired and you begin worshiping the stuff that you acquired, ultimately placing God before your stuff, placing your stuff before God, which is idolatry. Swindoll says, if you let greed get a foothold, it won't be long before you're worshiping and service, serving the very things you thought would satisfy you. And so gratitude is so important. Back in Colossians 2.7, when he talks about you being rooted and grounded and the thing that's like, the fruit that is springing up in your life as a Christian, we're told that the thing that we should be overflowing with gratitude. And as you learn to give thanks for the things in your life, both good and bad, it's like the antidote to, to greed and seeking things that are beyond your control. And he says, for, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. These warnings are sprinkled throughout the New Testament. I think these warnings come sort of as like guardrails to keep us on track to remind us, don't, 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 don't be led astray. Don't be tempted to go down that road. This whole sons of disobedience. I think this is a biker gang. I'm not sure because I almost, I had an encounter at uh, Al- Albertsons. Is it a biker gang? Can anybody like, nobody can not, 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 like trying to not look at the people who might know if it's a biker gang, but trying to quickly. <clears throat> so I was in the grocery store and this dude was like super tattooed up, but he had a biker jacket on and I read Son of Obedience. I'm like, oh man, that's a brother in Christ that came from a hard life. And I got like closer to him 
And it was like, oh, no, that says sons of disobedience. And it's like, I don't think this is a guy I should be like, how are the grapes looking today? You know, like I like, yeah, he had some other markings on him that would like led me very quickly. We don't want to be the sons of disobedience. Like so often we are. We, like you read the Old Testament, the children of Israel continually and repeatedly broke God's heart over and over and over and over again. I read this passage, if you'll turn with me over to Ephesians, so it's a, just a book or two right before this. <clears throat> I was hoping I wouldn't have enough time for this because it's one of the most convicting chapters of Scripture for me. The page is very well worn. And so much of Ephesians 5 and what we're reading today sort of like are, are like interlaced with one another. The, the, the warnings are the same. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved you, verse 1 and 2, and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality, that's that word, porneia, or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk, which is really convicting, or a coarse jesting, which is also very convicting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks, gratitude, the antidote to so much of what we're talking about, which doesn't seem to make sense, but it's fascinating how if we develop gratefulness, how much so much of this other stuff falls away, because gratitude, truly to be grateful, it means that we have our eyes on God and that he is doing something that's bigger than we can actually see and understand in the moment. <clears throat> For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God, there it is again, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness. I don't want that to slip by you. It doesn't say for you were formerly darkness. In darkness, it says you were formerly darkness. That is extremely offensive. Like if you read, like if you, like that's not very political. It's saying that you before Christ were darkness. It wasn't that you were standing in the shadow of something that was creating the dark. You were the darkness. I was the darkness. You were the darkness. But now, You are light in the Lord, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, trying to learn which is pleasing to the Lord. So encouraging that Paul continues, as you go back to Colossians, he's saying that, you know what, this isn't like you get saved and you got it all figured out, you got it all mastered, that you're going to be like the perfect Sunday school kid. There's a process of learning. What does it look like? How does the Christian life flesh itself out? And so it doesn't come out like a, ger- like a German wrote the discipleship guide of like you do step one, then you move on to step point 1A, 1B, 1C, 1E, and then you transition to point two, then you go to 2A, 2B. That's how I wish it was. The Christian life is sloppy. It's like you're all over the place and God's doing something here. Then you kind of go, okay, I got it. And then he like does something else here. It, do- it doesn't happen sort of in a, like we want it to be so linear. And we learn as we go and God is teaching us and training us. And just as we figure out one part, then he shows another part that needs work. 
the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience in verse 7, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. I love this verse so much because it took me a long time to like really understand this verse. Like for so much of my early Christian life, I thought that you were supposed to eventually like hop one level up and then pretend like your old life just went away. And then you could be like the prideful Christian that's got everything figured out. Like that you'd leveled up. But this, and in them you also once walked when you were living. And then this, this isn't, the Christian life isn't about acting like that you've like never experienced it. It's like total humility. And like I remember when, Ephesians 5, 8, I used to be darkness. But now in Christ, it's not what I've done, it's what he's done in me, and he loves me so much, and I can't even imagine what he absorbed on my behalf. And so much of the Christian life, is it seems to be about arrogance and looking down on others that aren't quite where you are in the Christian life. And if you were raised in the church, and you were sort of you didn't experience a lot of the worldly stuff. This isn't sort of a condemnation. I think that what Anna, because like Anna's childhood was very different than my childhood. What she kind of shared with me is like, well, it's not about what I was saved out of. It's like what God saved me from. Because if if I didn't have what He gave me, I would have been in th- those situations, which is humility. Then we come to verse eight. <clears throat> And we read, but now you also put them all aside. But now, now that you're in Christ, you used to live that way, but now. God doesn't want you to stay there. He gives a spirit to you to equip you, to enable you, to lead you, to help you through these systems. He gives a whole lot of grace. This isn't something that you did 15 years ago. But now you also put them aside. Oh, yeah, when I came to Christ Easter, and I didn't come to Christ in Easter. I'm just making up some date. Like Don shared 40 years ago in September, so I'll use Don. It wasn't like 40 years ago Don just like put his old self away, put his new self on, and he's just been working. No, this is like daily. I'm studying this passage, and I take a break. I'm like outlining my message, getting ready. I'm like all absorbed in the Word of God. I need a little break. I see something that I thought was kind of funny in my flesh. It wasn't really appropriate. We'll call it a political meme. So I send it to my Christian buddy. And immediately as I send it, I'm like, you're his pastor. <laughs> like, what are you? It was Jeremiah. Okay, just like total confession here. I get this thing. I'm like, oh, that's really funny. I send it to Jeremiah. Like, as I send it, it is delivered. What are you about to preach on this Sunday? What are you studying? Like, what are you immersed in? You're taking a break, and then you see this, and then you send this political meme that's like, I'm then immediately, like, I don't, it's very possible that my confession and apology made it before the picture came through. It didn't. (laughs) He's like, and thankfully, Jeremiah is a man of grace. He's like, well, thankfully, we have God's grace. And uh, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
We need to keep our hands on the plow. We need, like, you can't take your hands off the steering wheel or you're going to end up in a ditch. And, like, we need people that we can, like, be accountable. Like, I just, like, I'm also super grateful that I can send that and then be like, dude, I just, like, totally blew it. Like, and, like, I did this, and I'm going to be standing before you on, like, three, two days from now or whatever it was, and I'm going to have to, like, so let me just get the confession over with now, and I need to, like, uh. But it's also a beautiful sign that the Spirit of God is there to, like, zap you. Like, to have that, it's, like, Thank God. It's like, hey, you just like did like, oh, my flesh was went into the spirit zapped me. And it's like, okay, I need to like not, I need to put on the new self. I need to keep the new self on. And it's so difficult in this life. <clears throat> he goes on to say, you need to put these things aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So now he gets to the mouth, the tongue. Some of us are quite good with our words. <clears throat> Some of us have quick wits. That I th- like, uh, you know, it's a confession. I'm kind of like really impressed with people who are like, like their comebacks are like super fast. My comebacks take about three days to get to my mouth. Like it's like, oh, I could have said that. Like, <clears throat> But some of us are like really good and super quick-witted and can like just like give the dagger or the whatever really quickly and colorfully in ways that other of us just don't have that gift of. If you'll turn with me over to James, which is towards the back of the Bible, and James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, James writes, Now if we put the bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members, as that which defiles the entire body sets on fire the course of our life and sets on fire and is set on fire by hell for every species of beast and the birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth both come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives and a, and a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. I think I read too far, but super convicting. Like I, I'm, I'm reading this, and I, 
And I think about Isaiah in chapter 6 when, when God stands before me. He's like, I am a man of unclean lips. And God says, well, I got a piece of coal. Let me just like cauterize it. Like when we read this back in Colossians, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. We're so good at excusing ourselves for how we speak about people, the language that we use. Profanity. God says, I don't want this from you. But we're so conditioned and in, 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 in breaking foul language, it's so conditioning to, to be able to like break it. Like it's almost like we need a shock collar that we can zap ourselves or give it to your friend that can zap you every time. Like just to like recondition your speech or how you speak to one another. James says, wait, you're going to go like kiss God with that mouth and you've been talking about his creation in this way? I really, uh, this whole picture of putting on the new self, this is a, the, the picture somebody, some artist created this picture of like the Christian putting on the new clothing. I was super tempted this week to bust out my weed whacking clothes, to preach in my weed whacking clothes. Like just to go get my weed whacking clothes, to roll out to church just like I do when I weed whack, which means I don't brush my teeth, I don't take a shower, I just like get her done. And I was going to show up, but then I really didn't want to put on those nasty clothes. Like, I just didn't. Like, even when I'm really weed whacking, let alone to come to church, like, but that's how we should feel about our old self. But our old nature is so comfortable, and we like to, God's saying, like Bob Newhart, for those of you who have seen the Stop It sketch by Bob Newhart, it's my counseling strategy to stop. We need to stop it. Like, stop excusing ourselves. Stop giving it. Reasons why, like, I had a really abusive childhood, so that means that I can, like, have a little bit more liberty in this. Right? No, stop it. That's not the case. Well, I would, I, I, like, they, use, they say cuss like a sailor. Well, I was a sailor. Well, stop it. Like, you stop it. Like, you're a Christian now. How you speak matters to God. It's just what it says here. And it says, since you laid aside the old self, and the question is, have you laid aside the old self? Have you, before God, confessed the sin of your mouth and your attitudes and within you? Like, Paul's speaking like this is already done, and maybe we need to confess like we haven't actually done this. And we're not doing this to earn salvation. We're not doing this to earn God's love. We're doing this because God loves us. We're doing this because God died for us, because we have new life in Christ. We have his heart within us, and it's like, Lord, help me to break these habits, which I think most times it's just simply habits of how you used to to go about doing stuff. It's not who you actually are. It's just what you've been conditioned to do. Then he goes on to, in verse 10, feeding the new self, if, and, verse 10, and have put on the new self. Let me go back because it all flows together. Since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have, have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, the new self, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. That when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God baptizes you and dwells you. The old is gone, the new has come. And if you're in Christ, there's a new creature. Creature new creation. 
And then there's this battle over our thinking, having put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Throughout the New Testament, there is this continual reminder that there is a war being waged over your thinking. And so what are you putting into your mind? Romans 12.2 says that we're supposed to be renewed day by day by the renewing of our mind. That's why taking in the scriptures is so important. Having accountability to people that say, hey, your language has been a little colorful, like, like, Like people who will like prompt you to say, because they love you to say, hey, brother, like there's not a a, a deeper and more profound love to a person who loves you so much that they're willing to like kind of put the relationship on the line by saying, hey, I like we're brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. And I've noticed this in you. Like, are you okay? Like what's going on? Like what, what is it that's, that's troubling you? He goes on to say, verse 11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, a really hard word to say, slave and free man. It's like the world system creates classes of people, but the Bible speaks about God's creation, that that we all descend from Adam and Eve. There's, There's not color, there's not classes. The focus is Jesus, but Christ is all and in all. And so as Paul writes back in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, we're to set our mind on the things above. Hebrews 12, which we looked at last week, verses 2 through 3, says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Like, it's super easy to grow weary and lose heart if you stop looking up at God and you start looking around you and you either, like, if you fall into legalism, like, there's not peace and contentment trying to live a religious life. There, there, it just is not. Like, go talk to somebody or, like, just spend some time with somebody who's a total legalist. It, it, like, I think that's the individual that Charles Swindoll describes. as like, it looks like he describes most of Christianity looking like they got baptized in lemon juice. Because I think if you're trying to do all this stuff, it doesn't build peace, joy, like, and also if you're going to go hog wild in the world, that doesn't bring joy and peace and contentment. And so if we try to, like, dabble in these two areas, it's discouraging and frustrating but what we're told is to keep our, our eyes on Christ, to keep our eyes up, and then he works in us. He keeps us on track. If we fall, there's grace and love, and there's restoration. And so what would he do with this? Like, we need to be executioners. We need to seek and destroy that which is in us that is causing us to stumble. And really, that's a prayer. Father, help us to see this. Father, help us to like honor you with our lives. We need to put on our new self, as Ephesians 5.10 talks about, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And we can only do this by the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your word, which is so convicting. Father, I, I thank you that you loved us While we were yet sinners, we thank you that Christ died for us. Before we did anything good, because in our own capacity, there is no good that we can do.
So we thank you that he did the work fully and completely for us. We thank you that he paid for our sins, past, present, and future. We thank you, Lord, for leading us to Christ so that we would respond and to receive this eternal life that we have now. Father, I pray for those in this room and who may be listening, who may be grappling with these things, and they haven't reached a place where they have placed their faith in Christ. I pray that you would help them to do that. And Father, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, Lord, this life is a struggle. Our flesh is strong. It's hard to walk in a way where we're keeping our eyes on you. There's so many things flashing around us. It's just difficult. And so we pray that you would guard us from legalism. We pray that you would guard us from running into license and just doing whatever we want. We pray, Father, that you would help us to, to keep our eyes on you and that as we stumble, which we will do, we pray, Lord, that you will convict us, that you will help us to break the habits of our old life, which, which really linger. Lord, we, many of us don't want to be speaking the way we speak and doing the things that we're doing, but it's just been conditioned on us from an early age. And so we pray that you would help us to to break these habits, I pray that you would bring people into our lives that would help us to, to live out the Christian life, to honor you with everything that we do. We are grateful, Lord, for your spirit, which is within us, convicting us, leading us, guiding us. We thank you that we can laugh and have fun in this life, uh, walking with you. And we pray all of this in Christ's good name. Amen.